This is why we love racing in all its forms. That's King of Swing fighting though. Oh, he's a superstar, a champion pacer. Untaps in front, untaps holding on. What a win. Untap from the Harrison Sandler Cup. And it's very elegant. Ten group bumps. And now the greatest of them all, the Melbourne Cup. For the next hour, RSN is cracking the codes. 400 metres left to go and they straighten up. Our Maze K has dashed away. Our Maze K two links are hitting second place strategic down the outside, followed by Rivada. And down the outside is octagonal, but our Maze K is well clear. 150 metres out this champion. Our Maze K is going to street them in the Caulfield Guineas. It's gone further ahead, our Maze K. And our Maze K, 13 from 17, won the Guineas easily. Rivada second, octagonal third, followed by Vern. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Cracking the Codes. It's Caulfield Guineas Day. It's hard to not start off talking about one of the great days in uh, thoroughbred racing. We'll talk about one of the great days in harness racing shortly. As I say, good morning to Simone Fisher. Good morning, Matt Stewart. Good morning. Good one morning, of the Dan. great Caulfield Guineas. That year. When you got octagonal flashing home for third, it must have oh. been pretty good. And we had a chat to Clary Connors on Michael Felgate's show, and we're talking about the, the Ear Encounter one and what an amazing field it was. They were deeper then. There's a lot of talk about the subdividing of races between Melbourne and Sydney and so on. And back in the heyday, every horse was a household name, and it certainly was in that particular edition there. So I plucked out one. You know, sometimes I get some replays from a long time ago simply because they're like finding little nuggets. Uh, and, and a lot of them are very difficult to find. But there was one that was uploaded, I found, on, on, on YouTube. A lot of them we get them from YouTube, if not from our library here. But as of the great Philly Jewel Choice. So it, I, I then looked up her record, and she was a very special horse, Jewel Choice. She beat the boys, and this is the way she did it. She won the 1970 Caulfield Guineas. But Jewel Choice, well clear on the turn, about three lengths to Eastern Court, proud top together. Four or five lengths to Dario and Abdul, but Jewel Choice given full range, shot away at the furlong and a half. About three or four lengths, Eastern Quarter is running greenly under the whip, but plugging on. Then proud top, Dario and Abdul, but Jewel Choice has got it well won inside the last furlong. She's four or five lengths in front of Eastern Quarter, is starting to get very weary. But Jewel Choice will win about three or four lengths to Eastern Court. Dario a length away third. That was Jewel Choice. She smashed them, uh, beating the boys in that race. That spring, she'd won the Freeway Stakes, the Edward Manifold Stakes. After the Caulfield Guineas, she won the, the Craven A from Torto. Uh, and then first up in the autumn, she won the Lightning. And this is all as a three-year-old filly. Yeah, amazing. It's <laughs> funny you mentioned the Freeway Stakes, Simone. It seems, you know, how, how do you name a race? Mooney Valley, of course, had the freeway, which was constructed at a certain time. I reckon they just said, what do we call this race? Well, they've just built a freeway. Why yeah. do we call it the freeway? <laughs> How are you, Simone? What's been happening um, in the pony trot world of um, uh, oh, everything you do? Oh, everything I do. Which um, basically seems to resolve around your 11-year-old, but anyway. Oh, I know. Luckily, luckily, the 23-year-old can take care of himself. But, um, <laughs> yeah, look, just normal life, greyhounds, horses, pony you trots last a, Saturday had a night. Winner. Yeah, we had a oh, look. The greyhounds have been ticking along nicely, and we've actually put a, a girl on working for us now, which has been really, really good. <laughs> it's one of those things. Don't ever leave us because I don't think I could go back to. It's it's a hard slog. You put, a, put staff on, have you? We have. We've put one staff. It must one be going staff right. Yeah, they fantasised Dan about hiring a butler. A butler, I guess. Yes, quick fingers, indeed. Jeeves. Yeah, just someone who just takes care. Is this what this new employee no, does? No, she's she's fantastic with the dogs, actually. She's um just brilliant. And one of those young girls, and I, I look back at myself, I was probably the same when I was 22 as well, like just so super keen and you would just find things to do. And, of course, I was with Alan Britton at the time and, 
the water bowl needed cleaning or filling up, you'd do it and just thriving on it. And it you don't do become, that stuff as much anymore, do you? Not as much. You do lose, uh, you know, when it's been seven days a week for almost, I suppose, 30 years or 28 years or something, it, it does become very tiring and you do lose yeah, that taken on stuff. passion a little bit. But it's nice actually going out. How much would a cost a week, Dan, if a really low-level one? <laughs> we'd have to ask for a pay rise, I think, both of us, and we'd have to have the <laughs> butler three days of my place. I gave a butler 300 bucks. Uh, drive me around? That's a chauffeur, not a butler. Well, Other stuff. Yeah. My place is a pig would have to get your clothes You've organized. noticed the silverfish-related issue here, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. maybe someone to clean things up. Simone's been working maybe the trots a lot too, so maybe she's needing extra help and Darcy at the Pony Trots. So you've been yeah. getting to a lot of the different venues. We, we have been. And Melton again tonight. Do you know they've got 12 in the Pony Trot races tonight, Dan? You're going to have to learn about it, another five different colours, I think. Where's, the, where's your child huge. drawn this time? She's drawn in the middle. She's drawn number seven again. So she's getting closer. She came fourth last week. Sixth and fourth. Is she so going to fly the gate? Um, That'll, well, that's he, a good segue to yeah. a guest coming up, actually. She's drawn seven. Yes. What's she going to do? Well, I'll just tell her to get a bit closer down near the pegs. And From she, seven? That's well, suicide. But they're, but they're all ground. in Indian final. Uh, Indian file. Wow. And um, I said... Off, and then, off long handicaps. And then, yeah, and then her little mate, Cohen Tyndale, whose father, Bo Tyndale, trained, Bo and AJ, um, you know, they've got a really nice little friendship. And they only see, oh, they message each other on Instagram. Luckily, I can go through and see what these messages are about. Oh, you're one of those parents. <laughs> but, yeah, I am. But um, anyway, so Cohen's behind her. And I said, don't let Cohen beat you. You know, you make sure, don't let a boy pass the you. The whole world so. knows now. <laughs> yeah, and I've been telling telling her that. But she just, look, she, her confidence is building. She's really letting the pony travel a lot more, which is good. So looking forward to the Victoria Cup tonight. Well, so Darcy's drawn seven, but it's Indian five. Noel Watson's runner in the actual Victoria Cup's drawn seven and it's a little bit of a headache and we're going to have a chat to him this morning, yeah. the King of Swan Hill. We are going to have... I'm going to probe him about every little thing, you know, because I'm fascinated by the he stuff is he Mr. does. He Mr. Swan Hill. He's got a... Well, I'll go through his CV shortly, but to set it up for what is a great night, you're going to love this. This may well be the best Victoria Cup field ever. In fact, we'll just throw to it, see if you can remember what year it was and count the champion names that are mentioned in this call. Christian Cutter led two metres. Shaker Maker second, Saab third, Kaima Kid fourth. Now safe and sound going three wide. Holmes DG's out four deep. Taylor made Lombo three back the inside, then Breenies Valor. Kaima Kid coming out of the one, one one as they head off the back. Christian Cutter led narrowly. Shaker Maker's nearly got level here. Kaima Kid's out three deep. Then Saab on the inside of Breenies Valor. A trouble back in the field. Courage under fire. Checked by Happy Asset. Shaker Maker's got his nose in front. 28.5 the third quarter. It's Shaker Maker. Maker ahead in front of Christian Cullen. Breenies fella trying to get out Kaima Kid. It's Shaker Maker. Christian Cullen trying to come back. Shaker Maker and Breenies fella running on. Shaker Maker, Christian Cullen. Breenies fella swamping them. Breenies fella and Craig Demler. It's a blowout in the Victoria Cup. Breenies fella's coming away. Breenies fella wins it. Second, Shaker Maker. Christian Cullen third. Hall of Fame. From second to last. Funny thing about it being such a hot race is one of the lesser knowns won it in Breenies yeah. Feller. And how, remind me how Christian Cullen was in front and didn't win. Yeah, well, I suppose it adds... Well, Shaker Maker put the pressure on him and headed him, and, and he got run down at the very last try. But, of course, a couple of weeks later, Shaker Maker's reversed it with Breenies Feller, and they've run the Quinella and the Inter-Dominion in a race that Courage Under Fire ran favourite. And uh, th- there was just a super feel, the depth-wise. I mean, it would have been a super horse that would have been first emergency and didn't get a run that night. It's got a great history, this race. It's had a number of uh, uh, different names, Matt, but there was one particular year, a great horse, 
but uh, a, a great uh, trainer and a, and a driver. And this race, I'll set it up. The horse was bag limit. He won his second uh, Winfield Cup at the time. He uh, started odds on favourite the previous week, and punters weren't happy. You can hear them booing as the horse, co- uh, the horse comes down night. the straight. I was there this night. And then these famous or infamous words uh, said by Vin Knight at the trophy presentation after the race. Packing up, 600 out, bag limit by a metre and a half. Two on the outside, Village Kid. Third placing, JB's fella needing a run. Rufus Youngblood, the centre. My Lightning Blue out, three wide, being driven along. Luxury Liner, his back in turn from Sparebow. Bon Marche, the rail, and four metres away, quite famous. 400 metres out, bag limit giving plenty of cheek. He got away now from Village Kid. He found five metres. My Lightning Blue under pressure. Rufus Youngblood is held up, followed by JB's fella. Luxury Liner goes to the outside from Sparebow, quite famous, Bon Marche. Bag Limit, though, straightens up five metres in front. Village Kiddies under the whip. Luxury line of Rufus Youngblood boxing on down the outside. Bag Limit, they've got away halfway down the straight. And Bag Limit's Winfield Gold Cup, and what a performance. Bag Limit scores by six metres. Luxury line of second, Rufus Youngblood third. I'm very happy. It doesn't matter how much you boo, I'm still going to talk. Last week, for unknown, you know, for the reasons of not of his own, uh, there was a driver took his legs in the back straight and used the boo and must have your heads up your backside because he would have run fourth last week. Vinnie Knight was it and a bit, yeah. wasn't he? Yeah, that was extraordinary. The people that are booing, the crowd were booing as bag limits coming in the home straight to win. He'd won it the year before. He was the defending champion. They were extraordinary scenes. And uh, we're going back to 1988. And, um, you know, we've uh, got it back out in the system because it's, it's it's a moment still talked. A bit, a bit like Jim Richards, who I heard uh, interviewed during the week on the breakfast team of that very infamous yeah. uh, uh, win at Bathurst. Bathurst about 30-odd years ago. Absolutely. You, you just don't forget it, do you? Simone. We're going to Tassie. We are. We've got Brennan Ryan joining us. He's a secretary at the Launceston Greyhound Racing Club to talk about a few feature races they have there coming up named after terrific Tassie sprinters, chasers. Well, you better introduce Mr. Swan Hill. Well, as I do, not far from up there is Mildura. When I say not far, but you know where I'm coming from. Um, Bernie Winkle won another race at Mildura during the week, which is just extraordinary. But our special guest this morning has a runner in the Victoria Cup tonight. His name is Noel Watson. He does have quite an extraordinary CV, and uh, it's great to have him on Cracking the Codes on this big, huge, massive day of racing of all codes. Loving their racing, pacing and chasing. Matt Stewart, Dan Malicki and Simone Fisher. Cracking the Codes. As we've touched on, it's the best, harness program definitely this year one of the best ever win the victoria cup and my next guest may disagree a little bit but uh, it may well be the third or fourth best highlight on the program tonight because of the depth in quality of superstars and potential superstars on tonight's card ladies and captain ravishing as we've gone through and some of the two-year-olds cleaner leader and the like but the victoria cup over the years and certainly as i was growing up unequivocally the best harness race that I would come across year in, year out. The best field always. And I'm sure our next guest uh, wouldn't argue with that. And he's got a runner in the race this year. He loves the Saints. Most of his horses are are named after Saints, um, including Torrid Saint, who's running the Victoria Cup tonight, smoking up sprint winner last week. Gallop's trainer. He's a real estate uh, agent. I'm not going to say real estate novelist. I was thinking of Billy Dole for a second there. Um, he's Mr. Swan Hill on committees everywhere. He's got his own radio program. He's Mr. It, and his name is Noel Watson. It's a pleasure to have him on Cracking the Codes this morning. How are you, Noel? 
Hey, Dan, hey, very, very well, thank you. Uh, thank it took him half an hour to read out your CV. You've got that much on your plate. <laughs> Matt, Matt, he just missed one thing there. It, it's actually the time-honoured race, isn't it? I mean, it just that's the mm. time on it should be in front of it. Yeah. How long does it go back, Dan, the Victoria? Uh, first, I think it was 74, and uh, it came on the scene as the Winfield Cup, and um, definitely through the latter part of the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, uh, and even early 2000s, best field of any race I think we could have. A bit parochial because I'm Victorian, but how does that fit, Noel? Is that uh, the way you say it? Absolutely. Every, everybody talks about it. I think, Dan, over the years, they've all talked about the race, and it's just the pinnacle. I don't. Uh, I mean, you, know, you can have your inters and all that sort of thing, but uh, gee, as I said, time honoured. Absolute delight to have one in it. Uh, it's, it's really, really, it's really good. We want to get it, get to it eventually, but we're going to tick off the things on your CV. Real <laughs> estate prices in the Swan Hill area at the moment. Uh, I've got a funny story about it. This is why I bring it up. Um, Barry Willock's what? Uh, half an hour, forty minutes from Swan Hill. Yeah, probably forty-five minutes or so. Yeah. Went to the Darren Weir, welcome back after Prince of Penzance won the Melbourne Cup. So we, Steve Moran and I went to Berry Willock a day early and we're wandering around. And this is a long story, actually, now that I think about it. The, the, the new, the, the, you might know some of this, Noel. The guy around the news agent's name was James Joyce, right? Which is quite amusing. Ulysses. So we said we need to see, find Boss Weir, Darren Weir's father, um, because we want to do an interview and we're going to set the scene for Darren coming back for the town sort of uh, a celebration of Darren Weir and we said where do we find Boss Weir and he said oh um, white pebbles and flowers out the front in the garden you can't miss the house it's just down the road so we came across one <laughs> this is it's going to get to eventually to your real estate thing yeah. and we came across a house and had a little kid's bicycle on a balcony and I thought this can't be Boss Weir's place he's about 80 and his kids are all grown up and we started talking to this woman who was telling us that she wasn't enjoying her time in Berry Willock for reasons that we won't go into too much, but she was trying to sell the house. She bought it because she wanted the, the big sky sell and she fell in love with it and she had a little kid. She was a nurse in Swan Hill and she said, I've had it on the market for three years and I cannot sell it. It's very difficult to sell in these little outlier towns on the outskirts of big towns. Is, as a real estate agent, is, are they a really tough sell, some of those, when, the, when people have left the town to, to actually sell houses that... Not many people really want to move into. But typically, the background of the whole thing, Matt, to be quite honest, is the lack of uh, services that are available. You know, the ageing population, people want to, uh, need to be near medical facilities and all the like, and that uh, puts a cod wash on a little bit. But it's like everything, mate, whether it's the shirt you're wearing or whatever else, it's all price orientated. As long as the price is right, someone will buy it. Oh, no, I don't <laughs> think so. You shouldn't have mentioned that. No, I don't think so. Well, I've had an issue with silverfish at home. <laughs> <laughs> Every jumper I put on. Looks, got, as soon as you said the shirt I'm wearing, uh, Dan thought, I can see the shirt he's no, wearing because I can see it through the It looks like someone's jumper. pumped a few bullets into him. Like, well, that's everywhere. Possible. And just missed my heart, too. Well, well, it's probably not a good thing to admit you've got silverfish in the house. What do you um, do about them? Well, you just keep try and keep things clean, I suppose. Maybe oh. clean well, I'm living, with, I'm living with my 19-year-old, so I'm blaming yeah, him. Now, two know. other things I wanna, I'm curious about. The local <laughs> footy grand final... Uh, Kerrang Blues versus the Kahuna Knights. Dan and I were up at um, Benalla, and the Benalla team overcame a 41-year drought to win the premiership. What was the story with the, the big footy grand final a few weeks yeah. back? Kerrang got up. Uh, they, they've won probably eight out of the last ten. Very, very good combo. They get a lot of players out of uh, Bendigo, and good on them for doing that. A lot of homegrown talent too, which is really important. A bit like the, the racing sector. 
you have to have the, the base to get the, the top players. And, you know, nobody plays AFL without playing country footy. And that's pretty much the same with the racing. So, yeah, that's, that's what it is. It really comes down to if you've got the kids, you, you'll get the senior players, and that's what they've done. Congratulations to all of them. You're a Saints man, as in St Kilda man, but that, that the flow-through is with the names of your horses, particularly your harness yeah. horses, uh, and hence Torrid Saint tonight. But you've got a lot of horses with a Saint in their name. So where's that connection? Where's the love affair come from with the Saints, and how far back? Are you deeply religious? Oh, uh, yeah, careful with that one. Hey, no, no, no. Just I've just grown up a Saint supporter from day one. As long as I can remember, I've been a Saint supporter. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just flowed through that, we would work on that premise. Um, you know, we had a greyhound. We've got one at the moment. We had a greyhound uh, going around as well. And, uh, yeah, so the horses, if we can, if we buy one in, unfortunately, we don't rename them, but certainly the paces uh, that I've bred, we stick with the Monica and go with the flat, uh, go with the same. Red, white and black panels and the little Simon yeah. Templar on the colours as yeah. well. Oh. Yeah. How old are you? Simon Templar. Yeah. Good man. Well picked up. Roger Moore. <laughs> yes. Yes, the, you know right. there was a Saint Matthew, but there was never a Saint Simone or a Saint Dan. You know that, don't you? Saint Simone yes. doesn't really flow, does no, it? No, it doesn't sound just right. Just that name that doesn't. Well, it's like even Auntie Simone. <laughs> don't ever call me that. It just doesn't. I had a flow hard time in the lions then. Yeah, no, you no. did struggle a bit there as well. <laughs> um, so we, I thought we would eventually meander back to Victoria. <laughs> this conversation. So. Um, Dan, you might want to take up the Victoria Cup angle because I've exhausted real estate and well, local footy. This has got to be a, a dream for you. At, like oh. anyone would to have a last start winner of one of the major lead ups into the Victoria Cup. The only sour part on this, Torrid Saints been drawing one, one, one all the time. I think even Noel thought there was something wrong with the computer system at HRV because he kept drawing one, but he was never going to complain about it. But you might want to this week. You've drawn seven tonight. Yeah, we were looking for a redraw. I was hoping, you know, that there'd be a button push wrong or something like that. But, mate, I'm just absolutely delighted that when we talk about footy, the part, you know, how it works, I've got a ticket in the raffle. You know, the hardest part about winning a footy grand final is getting there. Well, we're in. You've got to take the positive. We're in. We're a chance. Richard Lamming went ghostly pale when Bankmore drew 17 in the Guineas on Saturday and just basically thought it's Q in rack. What do I do? What, what do you do from seven? What's the what's you, you plan B? Here. Yeah, I, I've had a look at the front line and I've got no doubt the quickest horse off that gate on exposed form is your horse. It, of course, it can go pear-shaped if you don't cross because the one that could be the trick is actually Honolulu Bay. Yeah. Um, and if every horse is half a length faster than the other horse... Um, you could be three deep into the first term. But the other thing is, if you go back, what chance you got, Noel? Well, if we go back, we've probably got uh, going to run at a very, very nice sixth or seventh. The question is, over the distance, if we go forward, it's completely over to Jack. He's done a super job, so I'm not interfering at any stage there. Um, Eric and Julian Glenn have done a great job. So if they go forward, remembering that we're going to find out if there's a scratching, that'll bring us in one. If we go forward, we hit the paint, and we just sit there and cuddle up without doing too much work into the first corner, then that's great. The question then is going to be whether we've spent our pennies, you yeah. know, at the six hundred. What What's it like? You, you've trained your training horses yourself, gallopers, and yep. you've got a a trotter or a pacer. Plenty so what, of them, actually. Plenty. <laughs> what's it like sitting on the other side of the fence? Um, you know, you're handing that responsibility over to uh-huh. other trainers and the driver. Obviously, Jack's um, in terrific form at the moment, driving yep. very, very well. Um, so what's it, Jack Law? What's it like? For you, just taking that, having to take that back seat, is it is it an easy thing to do? Simone, I get about as toey as a Roman sandal. I can tell you, <laughs> it, it is very, very interesting. Uh, you don't want to be somewhere near me, 
uh, because I just may run over the top of you. I can get a little excited, but that's okay. We're allowed to. Uh, it is difficult. Um, the thing that got me going with the harness racing was, uh, and a long time ago, you know, the, the late Henry McDermott was, was uh, you know, a catalyst there, but you can do it yourself. You can drive them. You can get out. I'm, I'm still a registered A-grade trainer and driver, um, but I just don't have the time. Um, in fact, we're two hours from anywhere up here, so it's difficult to get to the races with a horse like Torrid, for example. He's a very experienced horse, Torrid said. And when we were having a chat during the week, Noel, this horse has had that much experience. It's sort of, it's a bit of an inspiration or incentive for people to hang on to their horses to see when they mature. And there's a number of examples. Nephew of Sunoco is in tonight. He's only a six-year-old, but he's had 120-odd starts. And yeah. his best part of his career is since he's had his 100th start. And Torrid Saint hasn't been dissimilar from where he's got to in the last 12 months, considering the amount of racing that he's had. Um, it's great to see. I mean, anyone that takes a horse 20 starts to win their maiden, <laughs> there's still hope. Yeah, but he's had... I think 19 group races of recent time and, and, and since you and I spoke uh, I had a quick look, you're right, he's had about 120 starts but he's finished top three 50 times so his durability is you know, just unbelievable and, and uh, again, you know, we finished in the smoke and, uh, second in the smoking up last year so he's been very, very solid and Eric suggested we give him a little spell back in February when it was hot and we did that and since then he's come back all guns are firing and uh, he's been terrific. How big's the pacing up at Swan Hill. I remember the, the cramps at Mildura and they dominated everything and they and they came to notice because of that and we hear a lot about the coffees of the, the Gallops world there and you can walk from the Gallops track to the into town basically into the river. What, what's sure. the yep. what's the footprint of the harness in Swan Hill? Very strong. We've got uh, a new track and it's well arguably one of the fastest if not the fastest in Victoria. Uh, it matches the best. I mean we regularly run 51s and 52s at our track. It's a superb big track. And we are inside the Swanhill Gallops track. Um, and you mentioned, you know, the, the cramps and, and all that sort of thing. Well, they actually had, they trained the mayor. They trained, uh, trained Torridon right. for me when she, yeah, yeah. And Dan, you'd, you'd remember because you were involved in the sale. He's a backroom player. Brown oh, paper bags in public parks and meeting people on bridges and but stuff. But to see that the mare breed a horse that's in the Victoria Cup, I'm, I'm rather chuffed that it worked out that way because... Was um, it a legitimate sale, Noel, with Danny Bolt? <laughs> yeah, no, Lee, mate, Lee Everson, if you know Lee Everson, he wouldn't have it any other way. No. Dan made thousands out of it, but that's <laughs> And you've made hundreds of thousands out of it, so everyone's happy. <laughs> so they, they call Dan the Don, don't they, in harness circles? Yeah, 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 because what, he's good? Yeah, no, Corleone. Is Dan, he's good? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, the, the, the Swan Hill Cup's not too far away. In fact, it's right on our doorstep, isn't it? It's only a couple of Fridays away. Two or three weeks away, and uh, the prep's underway for us. Um, yeah, it's a big time for the uh, trotting club up here, of course. So we've got a lead-up meeting, so we're happy to run heats into our final, so uh, it's a busy time. We just raced last week, so yeah, it's all on. Uh, thankfully, footy's finished, so we can we can get into uh, the harness racing and some thoroughbred racing. I'm fascinated by horses going faster than they used to. You mentioned it's one of the fastest tracks now, and it's a big track inside the Gallops track. Mm. Compare it to the old one. What 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 is it about the new one that makes it seconds faster than the the previous track? Uh, long straights and cambered turns, big easy turns. That just a horse. I mean, uh, I know dance-driven horses, but if you get behind a horse on the big tracks, you don't even know you're going into a corner. Mm. Matt, you can drive the ears off if you need to, in and out of a corner. It's just like going in a straight line. Uh, so that's part of it. But you know, certainly evolution of breeding has helped as well. Let's be fair, Nick. Uh, you know, you go back a long time, and some of the horses winning maidens that 
I'll call our track. I don't want to speak disparagingly of other tracks, but you know they could win a maiden at our track. Fifteen years ago, they'd be winning cups on times. On times. What could Poppy yep. have run on the new track at Swan oh, Hill? Oh. I know horse breeding's advanced, and maybe oh. the modern champions are even faster. But what could Popular Arm have clocked around the new Swan Hill, Dan? It's a few tracks he'd be going, I think, opportunity to go under 150 because back in those days they do time trials as well, wouldn't mm. they, Noel? So yes. he was up against, he broke the world record in the time trial at at, um, at Mooney Valley. 153.2. Yeah. And Panyon yeah. was galloping on his inside, wasn't he, to keep him going? Outside, yeah. Out, oh, well, technical. Yeah, well, you wouldn't be sitting wide <laughs> running a time trial. Well, I don't know. I don't, yes, you're probably <laughs> right now. That, so is it? <laughs> Forgive me for getting technical, but is it the shell grit was what meant? It was a shell grit track. What's the track? Is, is, is it a different surface to make it quicker sand. as well? Yep, yeah, sort of sand based, but um, it, it is a lot different now. There's, there's a fair bit of work going into it. I know Mooney Valley, uh, Tom down there has been terrific. He's around all the country clubs and helps out with the development of them. And uh, you, know, you have to pay particular interest because. You know, if, you, if you're going to run a mare's race, the mares need to run, or they want to run good times for their breeding uh, down the track. So you have to put it on right. There's a lot of work. Like, the gallopers here, was, was pouring rain. I digress, I know, but the gallops meeting had to be cancelled. The harness racing meeting, we were putting water on the track to ensure that we were going to get quick times. That's the difference in the track's preparation. Well, when they cancelled the gallops meeting, Simone, they should have put the gallops onto the trots track and made them trot. <laughs> Do a Mon- Monty racing, maybe. <laughs> Just adapt, adapt or perish. Yeah. Now, Noel, I was watching a clip of you during the week um, when you won your first. City race with your galloper. Now, can you just oh. hit the name? Is it Regina? Regina. Regina. Um, and it's a boy the, horse. The, yeah. The, mm. the yeah. scenes. The scenes of you and I think it might have been the strapper after the Body. race. It was unbelievable. You would have thought that you'd won a Melbourne Cup, and um, you're daring to dream that you will be running in the Melbourne Cup this year. So. I'm just wondering what sort of celebrations will happen after the Victoria Cup Saturday night if you do happen to win or even if you get into the Melbourne Cup. It was just really pure, raw emotion and you could just see the excitement and how much it meant to you. Well, again, you take it all all the way back and cut it back to the the, the core. We're just country people having a great time and I, I can't understand why people don't celebrate wins more. I mean... I'm in my mid to late sixties, and I, I still can't believe that I picked Bonnie up and carried her about a hundred <laughs> at full tilt. Um, celebrate, but that's that's the euphoria of it, and I, I just I don't understand why people don't celebrate more because oh, gee, it's just it's unbelievable to win those sort of races, and uh, I unashamedly I, I absolutely I celebrate. I think it's fantastic for everybody because it's not just me. You know, there's a lot of people in the background, and you know, Bonnie gets up and. Rides track work every morning. She's there at half past four and all that. You know, there's a lot goes into it. So, oh, why the hell not celebrate? And yeah, did a dream. When we were up there for the Darren Weir return, because we stayed in Swan Hill and went down to Barry Willock and kept going up and down, we discovered a few of the dining establishments in Swan Hill. So when you have a, there's a, I don't want to be disrespectful. There's a Chinese restaurant that's not the Flower Drum. Let's just say that. Yeah. But there's a good pub. <laughs> What's the the automatic go to celebration venue in Swan Hill when you when you knock up a big? Say if you win the Victoria Cup, where, where's the where's you, where are you booking? Oh, I'll probably go to the commercial. I'm a non drinker, so it doesn't really worry me. I'm just there for the food, so I'll probably go to the commercial pub and watch them on watch the races on the big screen again. So that's my sort of a celebration. But yeah, you're right. There's plenty of them up here. Quo Vardis and the the big Murray Downs Club, who are great sponsors of of uh, everything going up here. Dan, why have you got a non drinker on the show? 
I told you, didn't you see the memo about non-drinkers coming on, hey, cracking the more, codes? At least more for you, Matt. That's well, why. Well, no, no, this gets back to our bus, our cracking the codes bus. We've got a driver. We, now we we've have got a driver. driver. We have a driver, <laughs> yeah. indeed. You think I haven't done that before in my life? <laughs> <laughs> Even when I was coaching footy, I was the bus driver. <laughs> you nearly need to keep that quiet just so that everyone comes to you for that sole purpose. Yeah. yeah, if people say, look, we're inviting you because you're a really good bloke, but it's also just convenient that you're driving as well. Yeah, exactly right. I don't mind. I don't mind. It's great fun and uh, just all part of the celebrations. Yeah, well, you've got a huge night ahead. It must be so exciting. Just the ride, not just the race tonight, but the ride with Torrid Saint, because I think it was his first city win, certainly of any significance. And I don't know if you guys can remember, um, but it was the night there was a protest and it divided oh. the whole harness racing community. Did he gallop or didn't he? Ah, and yep. uh, there was as many people saying the protest should have been upheld and Torrid Saint lose it as they were saying um, it, it should be uh, uh, dismissed. And uh, it was quite extraordinary that night. And that was with a horse called Tango Tara. Yeah. And they've shadowed each other all the way through the free-for-all class in the last year and a bit. Oh, absolutely. And you're right. The, I mean, there was just a lot of discussion about it and... I didn't have anything to do with it. I'm just sitting at home thinking, oh, well, I don't know. I can't see it. But, you know, there's a lot of scrutiny. But, oh, well, they pay, and that's what happened. Yep, that's right. And look where he's got to now. You're in a in a yeah. Group 1 Pride's Easy Feed, Victoria Cup, 300 grand. I know you don't need the money. You must be the richest man in Swan Hill, but it doesn't mean Thank you very much. it won't look uh, even more attractive in the in the, in the the bank account, um, well, Noel. It'll make for a short drive home, Dan, I can tell you. Well, three and a half hours or four hours to get there, so it'll make for a short drive home, but... Uh, uh, let's be realistic. Uh, top half dozen will be a fantastic run by the boy. Well, he doesn't spend six hundred a week on booze like you do, Dan. So he's got a head start. Oh no wonder he's got more money in his bank account than <laughs> it, you and I, at least. And Simone doesn't mind a bit of a tipple with the gin either. So uh, probably speaks for all of us. Are we going to come uh, up and say good day when we do our big tour? And um, you don't even you don't necessarily have to drive. You're not just the driver. We'll, 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 oh, that's good. You can sit up the back with me and Dan and Simone. But I tell you what, if you do win that Victoria Cup or any country cup with Regina, I tell you what, we'll make a, make a commitment that we come up and we can all share a bottle of champagne out of one of those trophies. What do you reckon? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, Regina may kick off uh, in about a week and a half's time. I don't know where, but uh, I'll try and find a race for him uh, if we can. And uh, let's see if we can replicate that Mooney Valley Euphoria was fantastic. And Noel, the three of us um, graced the fairways of Rich River a couple of years ago. Um, do you think Murray Downs could find a foursome for us as well? I'll send you a yeah. video of Dan and Simone playing golf and then we'll let you sort that out. Only because he wants to brag, because Matt is actually quite good at golf. Like, you've got a, a strong shot. Like, you hit majestic. the ball very, very hard. Yeah, I, maje- don't know, right, I don't know if majestic, majestic is probably oh. the... <laughs> the um, adjective I was looking for. They must have been watching other people because it's not the way I would have described it. But nonetheless, anyway, good luck. Good luck tonight. You, so you reckon you're going to fly the gate and try and get across? Oh, that's plan A, and we'll have a B and a C as you need to do. But uh, it'll be good fun, Matt and Simone. No matter what happens, and of course Dan will be. Co- Dan, thanks for tipping him. Uh, by the way, last week, well done. My pleasure. What was he? Sixes into about three twenty. So I don't know if that was my doing, but at least you know the good thing is when someone tips him you're always hopeful that they're right, you know, yeah. and uh, at least last week it was for you because it ensured you got to start in the big one tonight. So good luck. Absolutely. You're a big yeah. chance in the in the big dance tonight. And, uh, yeah, if the St. Colours get up, it'll be one of the few times I won't be disappointed to see them prevail. <laughs> good work. Stay well, everybody. Thanks. Good on you, Noel.
Noel Watson there. Do they really have a little Simon Templar on yeah, them? Yeah, 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 little saint. Just like the, the, the St Kilda uniform, their traditional yeah, yeah, uniform. Yeah. And that, that's that's his colours for, you'll see it on Regina, it's got very similar colours and uh, and also with uh, with Torrid Saint and all the horses that Noel owns uh, uh, are the red, white and black, the, you know, the panels that St Kilda have. So he's a saint man. Enver Jusovovic's another one. He, he's colours... They're they're the same three colours, but a quite a little bit of a different setup. So following his footy team, but he's an amazing man. He, he's um, you know been involved and loves the, the both the codes, and he's had greyhounds as well. I'm sure he would have ticked that box. Yeah, you get guests on sometimes that you you feel almost a bit overwhelmed by how, how much energy they've got to do all sorts of different things and and spring out of bed every day. And uh, it, without stating the obvious, Simone, it, it does remind me when you talk to. When you flesh out a sport with an interview of a participant like Noel, so for instance, I, I had a loose interest in the Victoria Cup because I wasn't connected to any horse, so I probably would have had a bet. But now I'm so curious to see if he can dive across from Gate Seven, and then if he wins, wondering what he and uh, Bonnie will do to celebrate up at uh, Swan Hill. So it, it is very important to flesh out the a race beyond the form guide, isn't it? And I yep. think that's given hopefully a few of our listeners a, a hook. It's actually given me a real interest, like in harness racing, not so much the form, but just the people that I see down the stalls. And I was swabbing at Geelong uh, last Friday night. And so that's a completely different experience. And, you know, having that responsibility of the people's horses and trying to get horses to pee. I think I was whistled myself to sleep <laughs> that <you>? night. That's <laughs> but, what the whistling's supposed to encourage, yeah, which does. is yeah. funny because if someone did that to me, I'd want to turn around and knock them out. You know what I mean? It'd be the most annoying sound. <laughs> Maybe that's why it took some of them a, a little while to go. But oh, we could, have, we could do this. And we talk about stage fright as well when someone stands too close. Oh, to oh, what about, can we go on one? This is funny. You want to hear something funny? When you were at Birdsville and you went yeah. into the toilet there with a box up. Yes. That's Explain. right. We've heard this story before. And then we'll, we'll get back to what I was going to say about the connections My with My uncle flew me and some unusual young Swedish bloke with spectacles from... Uh, Lilydale Airport to so the Birdsville races. So you stop at um, what's the town? I've been there, man. No idea. Um, you know the big town, Broken Hill. Stop there for the night. Fly to Inaminka, refuel. Fly to Birdsville, and everyone stays in the uh, flies their planes in. It's like a car park for yep. planes. So Fred Brophy's got this uh, boxing troupe, and the local sort of farmhands and that pit themselves against his group of boxers, and uh, they usually get rolled by the boxers who are always way too talented. And I was. Um, at a urinal the next morning after watching the boxing, and one of the boxers stood beside me, and I thought, oh, okay, close. And I just congratulated him on his wonderful performance last night, and he it's almost like I clicked him back into action because he started delivering haymakers on me, started belting <laughs> me when I was standing there, and I had to flee at a most inopportune time. With Thankfully, he remained where he was, and I was a bit surprised that after congratulating him, he decided to start delivering raining punches down on me. I thought, imagine if I'd criticised his performance. <laughs> so, and then, luckily, I didn't run into said boxer again for the rest of the trip because I think I hid under the tarpaulin under the wing to avoid him. So yeah, The good thing is he'd had some experience dodging some haymakers with some of the things he's written up over the years and said on the air. So yeah, he had a bit of practice there. Had a bit of metaphoric he was practice. agile enough. Now, sorry yeah. we digressed yeah. there, Simone. So that was probably more interesting than what I'm going to say anyway. But oh, don't put yourself down <laughs> these little connections and like michael stanley's got rock and roll do in the victoria cup and his daughter annabelle and darcy drive against each other in pony trots but they also compete each other against one another in um 
one day or horse trials, which is so are they really nice. Are trials is it a bit like oh, black swan? Is no, it a bit... no, not at all. They're, no, they're not like that at all. But I did say to Michael Stanley the other week, I said, I've heard that meatloaf song, Rock and Roll Dreams Come True in my head all day from when the horse won at Kilmore on the Friday night and all day Saturday at wherever you've got this damn well, song in my head. Well, that's how the horse um, racing can affect people. And then one of our greyhound owners is actually, I don't know if he owns it outright or he's got a share in expensive ego. So there's these little connections mm. and that's what I like about the racing. You know, I'm not up with the, the form and what gear changes and all that, but it's, um, when you become immersed in the yeah. racing codes, it's nice to have these little connections and get to the track and... Say say good day to someone, um, you know. See people. Well, in the swabbing stalls, you see them when they go out to hopefully perform, and then when they come back, most of them have been defeated. And Dennis Huxley, a great old mate of mine, hands out the numbers at Tabcourt Park, Melton, and they get to see the the post match and the pre match, not just the event, which is what we see as punters, but. You don't get to see the tears or the or the fist pump or the, the little victory that you didn't understand what was really going on, but only they knew the significance of something that happened in the race. So, And that's yeah. without sermonising. Uh, the thing that racing has to keep selling is the, the behind-the-scenes stuff because it makes the what you see relevant. Otherwise, it's just numbers. Well, that's what interests me, and I'm involved with racing. I like these backstories. I like the fact um, I can't remember the horse that won the last race at Geelong last Friday night and, you know, was swabbing the winner and the husband and wife team, you know, he was going to get, I think, a knee or hip operation this week and they were just so wrapped. It was their horse and that's what I really like about it. But um, you know calling too, Dan. Like You're calling it in a professional way to help the punter, but you're knowing when you're calling the significance of each horse, what victory would mean, which one would oh, mean yeah. more to someone than someone else and yeah. all that. Well, for everyone, and as Noel just pointed out, for anyone else watching and having a punt, it was a restricted staying race at Mooney Valley on a Friday night. But to him, it was something extra special. And it's something I always remind myself of every time I go to the races. Uh, it's special for somebody. And even if it's a Kieran Ma Davies who might be used to winning, I'm, I'm tipping they don't get used to uh, winning Group 1 races every day. It's a feeling they want to hold on to. But there's always owners that are perhaps first time uh, or long time uh, there are breeders involved there are connections in many ways shapes or form and uh, you can never underrate that uh, to just go through the motions because it's special to somebody even for the punter that's backing it so so it's got to be special if you sound like it's enjoyable and you sound like it's achievable and you sound like it's inspirational then it might be encouraging for other people to want to be in that same position in any of those you know areas to uh, to be in a very positive uh, industry. Well, we had a special moment at Sandown last Thursday. We've got a dog that we bred, and his name's Trenzalore. So anyone that follows Doctor Who will know exactly what Trenzalore is. And anyway, we've, we're a little bit frustrated because he likes to sort of take a bit of the, the scenic route. Or, the you dog know, does. Yeah, around the track. He likes to just see oh, what's going on around him. driving to Sandown? No, he no, wanted no. to go via Williamstown. He just likes to have a bit of a look around oh, at so times. he doesn't concentrate like he yeah, should. That's, yeah, that's a polite way of saying it. Anyway, so we've given the hymn to Cali Bravo just for a change of scenery. He's a greyhound that we've bred and reared, so he's been with us all his life. Gave him to Cali Bravo. And he won at Sandown last Thursday night. But it was one of those victories was there's always that but. You yep. know, he won, but... He did have a little bit of a look around. But, you know, it was still, to me, I thought, we've bred, read, whelped this greyhound down and had him. And it was still, even though he had an indiscretion, 
It was still a special yeah, moment. Yeah. Like, and, and he's not the perfect citizen, and that's why that's why not. people love Dan because he's not perfect. <laughs> I was watching that's racing on racing.com this week, and they show a lot of grabs from around the world. And this might have been one that was years old. I don't know, but it was a greyhound. It might have been recently. You might remember Simone, but the greyhound shot seven lengths in front, and then just sort of pulled up, just sort of started looking around. Richie ran seventh, and all these things rattled through. And they were talking about it, and they said he just simply got lonely. He was like, he was going, where the hell are my mates? I'm going to, uh, uh, I'm putting on the brakes. And and it was lovely because even if you were the punter who backed him and then someone said, oh, look, he just got a bit lonely. You go, oh, okay. I suppose oh, he yeah, understand. And, you know. Well, there was one more little thing I just remembered. I was at Pony Club on Sunday and one of the Pony Club dads she came up to me. She gets about a bit, me. Dan, doesn't mm. she? The trots, oh, Pony Club. God, horses, I know, all weekend. Um, and then greyhounds in between. But one of the dads at Pony Club well, came a, up to get me. Get me a violin. And he said, <laughs> stop it. <laughs> I'll speak to Dan. And he said, are you the Simone that does that show on RSN? And I said, yeah, I am. I said, do you listen to it? And he goes, yeah. He said, that Dan Malecki, he said, what's he like? And I said, oh. Look, Did you pause is, for a moment before you answered? I'll just, I'll just, maybe I'll just tell this story in a very nice way. I said, oh, great guy, Dan. I said, look, really, really great guy. He said, his knowledge and what he comes up with, he said, is unbelievable. So you've got a fan, and I did say, he dabbles in a little bit of hobby trot racing down Geelong Way. And I said, well, next time you're at Geelong, and if Dan's calling and I'm there, I'll Absolutely. take you up and um, introduce Bring you. So Actually, I found someone that was at a trivia night the other night, and uh, there was a couple there, a lovely couple at uh, Matt, Matty Hilgerman, actually, we had a night out, and um, the couple next to us, and they, they listen to Cracking the Codes as well. So uh, that, I thought that was fantastic. It's great when it comes from an area that you don't think it would come well, from. Even so. um, Peter, is it Peter Gath? Kate Gath's dad? Thompson, he, Peter Thompson. Thompson, is yeah. it? Um, oh, obviously Kate's married to Andy. Sorry, I didn't know her maiden name. But um, he was at Melton a few weeks ago and Andy said, oh, he listens to the show and introduced me. And I met Brian Gath at Geelong too. Yeah, what a legend. So He's he my favourite little master. Yeah. He's my favourite. Well, guys, we're going to take a little break on Cracking the Codes and we're going to have more, obviously, on the other side. Loving their racing, pacing and chasing. Matt Stewart, Dan Malicki and Simone Fisher. Cracking the Codes. We are cracking the codes and we love our Tasmanian guests and our next guest is someone who has been on the show before and while these boys next to me um, are playing silly games. We're mucking about a bit. (laughs) That's all right. That's what this show's about. Having lots of fun and our guests are fun and our next guest is Brendan Ryan who is a secretary at the Launceston Greyhound Racing Club and Brendan's going to tell us about some of the feature races that they've got coming up down in Tasmania, and they're named after significant greyhounds of the past there. So good morning, Brennan. Good morning, Simone. Morning, Dan. Morning, Matt. It's, um, yeah, it's a, a real um, changer for the calendar. We've introduced some Tasbred series races, and um, the first one coming up will be named in honour of Darmac, who was a brilliant greyhound in his career, won 45 races, and uh, we've got some others that will happen throughout the um going through this new racing season and they'll um, they'll be named after Top Shiraz, True Vintage and Buckle Up Wed. So four really good greyhounds of the you know, of the current era that were just uh, some out, outstanding champions of the tracks here in Tassie. And a reminder that Tassie uh, is a bit of a mouse that roared with its ability to produce great champions as well. How do you do you have a panel to whittle down the list of contenders to, to work out exactly which greyhounds will have race name honours? Really, Matt, the way I went about it, um, these races come off the back of our code funding allocation. We did have similar 
test prep bonus races, but they're all over the shop and all over different distances. So these ones have been restated and... Um, uh, and the, na- the naming wise, they were just picked on the fact that, you know, Darmac was picked because of his ability on the track in Tassie. Look, he may have not won a big group race, but his ability to win 45 races was a terrific honour. And, you know, you go down the likes of True Vintage, who won everything bar a Devonport Cup here in Tassie and officially broke the track record at, um, at Olympic Park. Um, and, you know, she was a great thing for pop, uh, popularity in Tassie at the time that they needed it for greyhound racing. And Top Shiraz, only greyhound to ever win uh, the Devonport Cup, Launceston Cup, the Hobart Thousand in the one year. And, and, and also Bucklet Wes, who we can't forget, won that brilliant uh, Top Gun Melbourne Cup double as well. Uh, sorry, Australian Cup double. So, you know, there are a lot of dogs that are around in a period that we could have named, but... A lot of people wouldn't remember them going back to the 40s and the 50s and all that. So this is why I went down the period where a lot of people would still remember these dogs. And we, we've got a lot of footage to really celebrate them as well. It's I think it's great uh, to, to be able to honour uh, other champions uh, like that. Um, it, it, a lot of people, I think, think of Tassie as, as the minnow state, you know, but their history with... Obviously, Mystic Journey in more recent times from a thoroughbred perspective, but Piping Lane won a Melbourne Cup, and he was a Tasmanian horse. The cleaner, um, Bowtie, the cleaner, yeah, Bowtie, Hell West, and raised in Sinbad Bay, won yep. two Victory Cups, and heap bag limit. There was a heap of horses in, uh, that came through it, but also, as you say, in the in the greyhound ranks as well. I think uh, wasn't there one that won the million dollar chase that came? Oh, from that there? was one that yeah. Brendan's family bred, yeah. Handsome Prince. Yeah, Handsome Prince, and. Yep. Um, and, you know, there was another greyhound as well, Bellhaven, who took everything before her in the staying ranks. And um, and Jethro, he was bred here in Tassie. He came out and won the, uh, the Hume Cup for Calgreeno as well. So there's been some really good dogs. And plus, a lot of people wouldn't realise there was another greyhound back in the 60s called Meadow Vale. He was trained by the late Peter Reid, and he um, he won the Australian Cup. He was a Tasbury greyhound. He was just inducted into the Greyhound Hall of Fame here last year. So... Um, there are certainly a, a great list, and there's been some dogs. Uh, a lot of people wouldn't know these sort of names, like Tumblebug, who was a massive influence on Australian greyhound breeding many, many years ago. And um, he went over and was sold to America, and was an influential sire over there. So we've got some great ones, and of course, um, uh, you know, Sheila's Teresa, who was a great influence, who produced uh, evidently Mancunian Girl, who I know is a great favourite of Dan as well. Oh, I love her. All-time yeah. favourite of his. Yep. Hey, Brennan, I'm not sure the absolute details of the way the breeding operates, but AI and harness, not the physical breeding. Like With the straws and the greyhounds, can you more easily tap into the, the big bloodlines of the mainland than, than if it was done in a more physical sort of way? It is now. Um, see, back in the 90s, we, that was introduced, the artificial insemination, where years ago it was more or less the, uh, the, the brood bitch went to the stud dog's property and... Um, and we used to have quite a few of those over here in Tassie. Um, uh, we stood a lot of great dogs over here. And, uh, and uh, unfortunately, that's just dwindled down because it's it's a lot easier for the stud master to, you know, get the certificates to, you know, withdraw the semen from the dog and, you know, transport it to WA, Victoria, South Australia and all that. And um, it's more, you get more longevity out of the stud dog as well. But it also upgrades the breed, doesn't it, if you can tap into the, the really... Oh, it does. Yeah. Well, the American, you 
you know, you, you look well, what the Wheeler's uh, done, the late Paul Wheeler with American Tires, like he took the risk many years ago. It sort of flattened his line, but it gave that line an opportunity to come back and it made it stronger than ever. And, and look at the legacy they've left behind with, you know, Cantar Bale and, you know, Fernando Bale, who we can't forget, and all those great dogs, and especially here in, in, um, in Tassie, there's been some, you know, great dogs that have had that, you know, overseas or even mainland influence as well so yeah it's been a you know it's opened a lot of ways for the for the breeding bloodlines there's a couple of dogs that we haven't mentioned and that's uh st pierre we've had debbie cannon on the show before and also chinatown led two other superstars to come from tassie but brendan what's the state of racing greyhound racing like in tasmania at the moment if you've had this uh stake money there that you can put into these particular races is it in a healthy state look Money-wise, means breeding. It's not um, because the one thing we like over here, Simone, is um, we don't have our own trial track facilities like you have over in Victoria. Um, we're using a lot of our own racetracks to actually break in pups, which is not a great scenario. And plus, um, our, we're having a lot of issues with our gap program at the moment, um, which is being rectified as we speak. But that's our main outlet to help with those dogs that are, you know, just haven't got that leg to, you know, make it to the track sort of thing. And we want to give every dog a chance, but, um, you know, that's where they they um, will head for the adoption program. And unfortunately, that's in a bit of a limbo situation. But if we can get that right, that'll help our breeding industry come back. But we've got a lot of things in place to, to support them out there, you know, and we just hope that over this next 12 you know, 12 to 18 months, and, and the, the breeding can, you know, really come back. A couple of our previous guests um, have bemoaned the short distances of the race. Is there any chance bumping up the races by a couple of hundred metres? Uh, <laughs> well, look, that's all down to the grading, Matt. Um, see, many years ago, when we first come here, you, if you won over one, you know, you won two races over the one distance, you'd do your grade straight away, where now it, it allows the dog to stay over that distance when they're not progressing. That's why when we come to the Hobart Thousand, and the Launceston Cup and the Devonport Cup, we don't have a lot of top-grade dogs. You know, the last couple of years, our best-graded um, dogs heading towards those big races were no higher than grade four. So, um, and even when I... When our family first moved here, they had two divisions of a top grade race, and we're flat out getting a field of seven for the for a top grade event. So, um, if the grading system can be rectified, that's our chance to really, you know, get things back on track as well. Well, it sounds like there's a, a lot of people, you know, do support Tassie Racing, and you do have a good amount of dogs there, and you have some depth, and we do see them come into state for some of the big races and take them home at times, like we've mentioned, Buckle Up Wes and and St. Pierre as well. But um, you've got the Damec special event on Tuesday. And that's at Launceston, is yep. it, Brennan? Yeah. And what distance is it over the 500 metres? It is. We had two heats last week, and uh, Robin and Gary Johnson actually secured both heats with uh, Buckle Up Aria, who was the fastest in 30.02, and Buckle Up Talia, who was a little bit slow, but nevertheless, she's um, relying on, you know, her confidence is coming back up. And I know Robin, I spoke to her during the week, she was really happy to see how that greyhound's come back. So, and Simone, as you know, how passionate Robin is in the breeding, how well, you know, she does in, you know, putting on the hours and the efforts into breeding her, her race dogs. So winning a race like that is a great benefit to her and how she, um, you know, keeps things going for, um, you know, for her racing stock as well. Yeah, she's been on the show before, Robin, and she was the one who was very much disgruntled by the short 
course racing but um, look everyone has opinions and their reasons and we're not in the thick of it but Brendan we appreciate you joining us this morning on Cracking the Codes and just to remind our listeners how good Damek was as we say goodbye let's take a listen to his win in Earlingsworth. Darmek, the favourite, box number two, and they're away. Decemberus beat out Darmek, but Darmek's got the rail. He drives through to lead with a lap left to run. Darmek by two on Decemberus. They got away from Kyaldu Anna and Regent Typhoon. Four back in the field was Winkley Wonder, Kyaldu Grace, Hudson and Highest Regard into the back. Darmek leads by four on Decemberus. Holding down third, Kyaldu Anna, and then Regent Typhoon. He's right on track. Record time again, Darmek. He's four in front. Around the home corner, Decemberus holding down second, and then Kyaldu Anna. But it's going to be Darmek adding his name to the Shaw contract in Gillingworth Classic on a roll with a brilliant win by five lengths. December 2nd, Kyaldu and a third, Winkley Wonder, Regent Typhoon, Kyaldu Grace Hudson and highest regard. And he's done it again. He's cracked the track record with a brilliant 29.43. Guys, I love the concept of races of... You know, horse races or greyhound races being named after champions of the past. I think it just brings that element and those memories, and it is. It's special for someone like we mentioned before. And, Dan, you've found another... another Tassie superstar applicable today, Caulfield Guineas Day, because in 1996, Alpha won the Caulfield Guineas, Matt, and, of course, he came from one Hall of Famer yep. to another. Barry Campbell, Tassie Hall of Fame, into the greatest of all time, JBC, and, uh, and won the Guineas at Caulfield mm. on this very day, which reminds me... Simone's going to nick off back to Lara, and you and I are going to recalibrate and get on track, and we'll be um, 10 or 12 it today on Guineas Day. Looking forward. What a big day, and uh, you'll probably find a few winners, is you? 